0: All right, uh, so back to our study uh, in the book of Exodus. It's going to be a little long because next week is Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. So um, I'm not speaking next week. We're not going to be taking up Exodus next, next week. Um, so I'm going to use all my time today. So get ready. Uh, if you need to go to the washroom, go now. About a couple of hours <laughs> um, so yeah let's let's start again uh, we, if you missed any of the sermon uh, sermons uh, preaching in this preaching series please take the time to watch it on YouTube or Facebook those of you at home by the way 33 connections thank you for joining us uh, don't forget to share the link to your uh, Facebook uh, profile uh, so yeah review uh, last week uh, we began taking up chapter seven um, which I said was God's response uh, to another excuse of Moses found in the end of chapter 6. Moses said, what? Uh, my lips are, uh, they're not circumcised. I can't do this. Uh, so God uh, replied to Moses at the beginning of chapter 7 and um, he encouraged Moses uh, by, uh, you know, telling him what three Ps. Remember the three Ps that we took up? Last week, right? First, God clothed Moses with power. And second, uh, God told Moses his ultimate purpose. And third, God uh, showed Moses a preview of what was to come. Uh, That's where we're going to pick things up. That preview that we talked about was Aaron's staff becoming a serpent. Uh, That's the preview, right? And and the magicians of Pharaoh... uh, replicated this act, this this miracle, by throwing down their own staffs, and their staffs became serpents as well. Um, but in the end, uh, Aaron's staff, what? Ate up, swallowed the magician's staffs. And this is the preview that God was going to show Moses, right? Um, Aaron um, Moses and uh, Aaron saw this, and Hopefully, what they got was um, that no matter what these people do, God's purposes will not be thwarted. That God will prevail. It doesn't matter what the Egyptians do. It doesn't matter what their magicians do. It doesn't matter what their gods, so to speak, does. Uh, God was always going to win. Right? Uh, and again, this display... Uh, showed God's power, right? Remember what in chapter 5 when Pharaoh says, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should listen to his voice? This is part of God showing Pharaoh and the rest of Egypt who he is uh, by swallowing up these fake snakes, right? And so after this, Moses didn't make any more excuses. If you read your <laughs> Bibles? No more. What God tells him to do, he does. No matter how absurd it may Sound, no matter how weird it may look. um, Moses just did. Moses and Aaron obeyed without question. Uh, So, this brings us to our text for today the story of the first plague, the river of blood. Mm. Uh, Do you guys watch uh, Prince of Egypt? Just like what I told you? You should watch that. It's a good, just watch this part though. Uh, Don't watch the rest. The rest is, you know. Not accurate. (laughs) So, uh, before we unpack the text, let me quickly share with you some observations about the plagues. If you guys read through the plagues, there are some observations that I want to share with you that will help us in our interpretation uh, of these plagues as we take them up, uh, you know, uh, during the next few weeks. So, uh, first uh, observation is that these plagues come in sets of three. Three plagues after another. And then the last one was is the climax was the last plague, death of the firstborns, right? Uh, so the first cycle of three plagues, uh, according to some commentaries, uh, were loathsome and uh, affecting the comfort of the Egyptians. What were the first three plagues? Blood, frogs, and gnats. Uh, I think they were mosquitoes or. So floods uh, sorry, the the blood, uh, frogs. These were loathsome. They were they affected the comfort of the Egyptians, including some commentaries. I looked up I looked this up, including some Israelites. The Israelites were also included when the frogs all came out. The Israelites were also affected by the, the these things. Even the water, the I think the Israelites were some of, some some argue that they're they weren't affected because they're in a different part of Egypt right um, but there are some who says that they they were the Israelites were also affected by these first three and this first three was Aaron's. it was Aaron's rod that was used uh, for these uh, plagues right it wasn't Moses Moses has his own Aaron's was the one that turned into a snake right so that's the, that's the first cycle of Three plagues, the second cycle of three plagues were more bothersome rather than loathsome. Uh, these plagues affected possessions, the possessions of the Egyptians, like their, their land, their cattle, and even themselves. Um, the second three plagues, did, there was no staff use in order to call these plagues out. Right? Uh, and this time, only Egyptians were affected. People of God were protected. Uh, And these plagues included what? Flies, death of livestock, and boils, remember? What's a boil? Pigsah? Is it? Okay, that hurts. (laughs) Right? All the Egyptians were affected with these. Uh, The third cycle of three plagues were natural disasters that that brought death to the Egyptians. And then the final plague uh, required the use of the staff of Moses. And then all three of these uh, cycles of the plagues, uh, a warning was given for the first two, okay so every three cycles there was warnings for the first two plagues of the cycle, but at the third there was no warning. right So what does that tell us? Um, I believe that by looking at these observations we can see that even though God's ultimate purpose for these plagues was so that Pharaoh and the rest of Egypt would know that He is Lord, God still provided room for repentance. He gave them warnings uh, before the final plague of each cycle. Right? You know how you warn your kids, I'm going to count to, usually it's, I'm going to count to three. Right? If you don't, you know, listen, that's it. This is coming. That's what God did. First two were warnings. Last one, no more warnings. I was different with my kids. I didn't give any warning at all. No count to three. Sometimes it would take a day or two. Sometimes it will take a second or two before they got the, what do you call it? What the, the belt, right? <laughs> that was Caleb's first word. But uh, It was Caleb or Eli. He brought them to the doctor. The doctor asked him, what's your first, what, you know any words yet? Yeah, belt. I'm like, I'm going to go to jail. Uh, (laughs) so yeah I think that's what these plagues are saying that even though God is going to stretch his hand out against the Egyptians he still gave them time to repent Um, but just like what God had already mentioned at the beginning of chapter 7 Pharaoh's heart will be even more hardened by these plagues so instead of Pharaoh repenting and submitting to the one true God his heart just got harder and harder, uh, and that applies to us. I'll, I'll get into that later. But it does apply to, to us as well. So the first plague. Water into blood. Let's read it again. Uh, Exodus 7, 15 to 18. Go to, go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him. And take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me, saying, let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far, you haven't obeyed. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know. Key, Key phrase, right? By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike. The water that is in the Nile and it shall turn into blood. 18, the fish in the Nile shall die. The Nile will stink. The Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. So at the beginning of this series on Exodus, I mentioned that the Nile is a very important place for the Egyptians. Uh, Not only was this the main source of water, but pretty much the whole economy of uh, Egypt at that time Uh, is contained in the Nile, and what I mean by that is that the, the Nile River is what's providing Egypt water for bathing, you know, water for their crops, right? And even sources of food within the the river. Um, the, their animals use the water from the Nile to drink. Uh, so without the Nile, their crops will die, animals will die, uh, and there will be a shortage of food in Egypt, Right? Um, but not only that, the Nile is just not important to the Egyptians because of ec- ec- economical or the economy, um, or their economy. The Nile is also the main object of worship for the Egyptians. And the Egyptians had multiple gods that they prayed to over the Nile. Uh, but their main god, or the main god of the Nile, was a god called Happy, uh, H-A-P-I, not H-A-P-P-Y. Not happy as in happy happy and sad. No. H-A-P-I. Uh, one commentary says that out of all the gods of the Nile, happy was the God that represented fertility and nourishment. Or We can say ha-p- that happy, according to uh, one pastor, uh, um, Matt Chandler, provided the fullness of life for Egyptians or for those who worship under him or her I, I don't know if the, happy is a woman or a man um, and this was supposed to be happy was supposed to be the spirit of the Nile so when God decided to, decided to turn the Nile water into blood what God was doing was he displaying his holiness and power for all of Pharaoh and Egypt to see and God is showing Egypt that even their most revered God happy will not be happy anymore. Even their most revered God, the Nile, the God of the Nile. No match for the God of the universe. And what God is basically doing is he's answering Pharaoh's question in chapter 5, right? What did Pharaoh say in chapter 5? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Remember the first time Aaron Moses came up to Pharaoh? And he said, no, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? The Nile plague is... God's way of introducing himself to Pharaoh and the rest of Egypt. That's what this thing is all about. That's what this whole plague is all about. And I would say the rest of the plagues as well. Now what can we learn from this? Number one. Three things we can learn. First thing, North American culture still worships this same God today. North American culture, including some Christians, are still happy worshipers. Uh, When I mention this, don't look at the person beside you or across from you. I'm talking about us. We live in North America. We still worship the same God today. How? Because instead of the Nile River, our culture is at the river of self-satisfaction. That's what happy brings, right? Fullness of life. Satisfaction. Most of our culture worship, still worships at the feet of that. The river of self-satisfaction. Where as long as it feels good, regardless of how bad it really is, do it. Right? As long as it feels good, do it. Service doesn't feel good. Not going. Coming in person doesn't feel good. I might get sick. I'm not saying this at home. Not, not everybody's like this, obviously. Do it. Whatever's the easiest way, do that. It doesn't matter if it's bad or if it's right or wrong. Now, somebody invented a word for this uh, back in 2016. What's a word for that? Now, it's not YOLO. I know YOLO now is not the word for now. Back in 2016, somebody invented a word for it, and the word is called post truth. Ever heard of post truth, anybody? Have you heard heard of postmodernism? Yeah, you've heard of postmodernism. What is post truth? well post truth is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as this. Can you guys read it? Hmm. Circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than those that appeal to emotion and personal belief. That's post truth. So who cares about facts or reality? It's my emotions that matter. <laughs> Am I happy? then that's what I'm going to do. I don't care about the facts. right? Who cares about the facts? Who cares about truth? As long as it feels good to me, as long as it makes me happy, that's what I will do. It's like saying there is no standard anymore. There is no authority over me other than my own standard, which obviously is the one that makes me happy. Now, if you think about it, that's pretty much equal to Pharaoh's statement in chapter 5. What was Pharaoh's statement again? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Who are you to tell me what to do? (laughs) Right? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I do not know the Lord. Or in other words, Pharaoh's saying, Why should I listen to you? Why should I listen to a God? Meanwhile, in in Egypt, he was considered a God. Right? Pharaoh was a God in Egypt. So Pharaoh is saying, why should I listen to the God of Hebrews? I'm a God myself. I'll do what I want to do. Uh, You might not notice it, but this is is the way of thinking that is prevalent in our society today. Look at same-sex marriage. There's a truth in same sex, or no, not that same sex. There's a thru- truth in marriage, that those people who are looking f- to get married, same sex, are ignoring. What's the truth? That marriage is men and man and woman. So wow That's been true for <laughs> forever. All of a sudden, it's like no, I don't care if there's a truth. Like no, I'll make my own because that doesn't make me happy. These gender identities. The truth is... (laughs) Just look down. You'll see it. Right? Not going to make me happy. No, I'm going to make my own gender. Not just male and female. What is it now? There's a lot. Pronouns. Right? Even though you're a girl... No, I don't want to be called a girl. I don't want to be called she. Call me. I don't know what it is. It. Right. There's there's a truth that's out there that's being neglected, ignored, because I don't know that doesn't make me happy. And it's hard to to. I I pity our kids. They have to grow up in this environment. It's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, you watch Disney movies? The, the new Disney movies right now, it's not clear who the bad guy is and the good guy anymore. Who's bad and who's, like, who, who's the villain and who's the hero? Before it was clear, right? Who the vi- villain is and who the hero is. Nowadays, you watch Disney movies nowadays, who's, who's the bad? Everybody seems to be okay, <laughs> even though they did something bad. It's still considered okay, as long as you're happy with who you are. I, I, I'm talking about that Disney movie, Turning Red. Have you guys seen that? Me and my wife watched it last night. Watch that movie. Tell me who the bad guy is and who the good guy is. It's, it's crazy. And that's what we're feeding our, our kids. And this is what's going on in our society today. Um, look at what author uh, William Ernest Henley once said. Matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the punishments the scroll. I am the master of my own faith. I am the captain of my soul. I don't care how hard this this is. I don't care if, if this is wrong. I don't care if there's any truth that I need to follow. I don't care about those things because I am the master of my faith, the captain of my I don't know where this dude is coming from. This author obviously is not in tune with reality. Right? We are masters of nothing (laughs) in this world. You ever notice that? Or you still think you are? We are masters of nothing in this world. We try to fool ourselves to think that we are somehow in control. But reality always has a way of humbling us. First example, COVID. COVID. Ah, just a virus. Ah. Next thing you know, the whole world stopped. And now the whole world is changed because of one little virus. And we thought, "Mm, we're masters. We got through SARS. AIDS is in control. AIDS, you can do this. No. And for me, getting in shape. Who here is, uh, you know, health buff, you know, don't eat salty stuff, work out, exercise, you know. When we do that, we're like, oh, yeah, that's I can accomplish anything. Meanwhile, guess what? You're still going to die. I'm not saying that you shouldn't exercise, but I'm saying that's not going to enable you to live forever. We're masters of nothing. Um, and I believe that God, in his mercy, allowed for some of these things to happen. So that those who have the mindset of Pharaoh, thinking that they are their own gods, and that they control their own faith, or fate, would be humbled and repent. Now some of us are probably thinking, yeah, that's good and that's great, but what does that have to do with me? Well, I'm sure that some of us still have something in our lives that we haven't fully given up to God. That when God asks you, hey, do this, we answer, Who is the Lord that I should listen to his voice? Can you guys repeat that with me? Who is the Lord that I should listen to his voice? Say that one more time. Who is the Lord that I should listen to his voice? Because we say that over and over again when God's telling us to do something, just in different words. Like, I'm busy or I'm too tired meanwhile what you're really saying is who is the say it who is the Lord that I should listen to his voice God's calling us to be more active in our spiritual life, read your Bible pray every day, we say who is the Lord that I should listen to why don't you say it, you say it every day who is the? Or when God is calling you to stop watching too much YouTube or Netflix, what do you say? No, it's true. Or when God is telling you, start taking care of your body. Stop eating all this junk food. You say? You. Or when friend of yours or when... Uh, uh, One of your parents tell you, leave that boyfriend of yours. Leave that girlfriend of yours. They're no good for you. What do you say? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> not in the, the same words, but you're saying the same thing. Is the Lord that I should listen to his voice. Or some of you, stop putting your spouse before God. <laughs> what do we say? Mm. I can keep going. <laughs> right. What did I say? In the two weeks, last week, and the week after, before that. Stop gossiping. Stop slandering. Who is the Lord? <laughs> Point is, sometimes God has to send a plague <laughs> to reply to your, to our responses, in order to get our attention because the more we keep responding with who is the Lord that I should listen to his voice the more our hearts will harden just like Pharaoh I've said this before as well if coming to church or attending prayer meeting or going to your small groups is something that you just do to make yourself feel better about yourself but every time you hear something that hits you, your, your response is, Who is the Lord that I should listen to his voice? Be careful. The hardening of the heart is subtle, but very dangerous spiritually. Right? What is it that we keep repeating? Who? Examine yourself. Keep thinking. Is that what I'm saying to God? What is God calling me to do? And am I responding with who is the Lord that I should listen to his voice? That's the first thing we can learn. Second, second thing we can learn from this plague is that our world is full of magicians who can replicate true miracles and make them seem real. Our world is full of magicians who can replicate true miracles and make them seem real. This is what the Egyptian mag- magicians were able to do. Right? From the snake to the first two plagues. After that, they couldn't replicate it anymore. But they were able to do it. Right? They were able to make snakes, turn water into blood, make frogs come out of the river. But after that, no more. Right? Our world is full of that. Magicians. Now the challenge for us is to have discernment coming from the Holy Spirit to spot the fakes. Not only spot, but not settle for fakes, but continue to chase after the truth. Amen? We should know that as Christians. If you have the Holy Spirit in us, you should be able to spot a fake okay, when it comes to teachers and uh, doctrines. and right. And we should continue our chase for the truth. Now, Sadly, this way of thinking has infiltrated the way we worship in the church. Especially when it comes to the music that we choose to sing. Okay? The music that we sing at church is important. Right? Somehow, a lot of modern worship songs are no longer geared towards the preaching of the truth of God's word. They're more geared towards getting people An emotional high. I know some of us were singing. That's good. But don't just look for that high when you're worshiping or singing worship songs to God. Look at the lyrics. If the lyrics doesn't make sense, if the lyric is not God-centered, then don't sing it. What's the purpose of this? What's the purpose of singing songs? It's to get we give worship to God but again post truth mentality comes into play where we say i don't care if the song lyrics and the message contains weak or even faulty theology as long as the melody gets me in that emotional space where it feels as if god's presence is actually here then i can say that i've had a true worship experience i don't care about the lyrics be careful. This could again lead to a Pharaoh-like heart. I've been to enough worship concerts that people are crying. And then you read the lyrics, it's like, who, who, who is this song talking about? It could be about anybody. But people get into it. Why? Because of the emotional high that it brings. Now let me say this as well. Not all modern worship songs are like that. There are some good modern worship songs that are grounded <laughs> in God's word. There are. Uh, one of the groups that we, uh is the one that wrote the song that we we sang. Okay. The Behold Our God. Okay. The group that wrote that and sang that is called Sovereign Grace Music. Okay, they produce Modern hymnals, modern hymns, which are rich in biblical theology and accurate when it comes to its content, biblically. So it's good to sing and it's good to listen to those songs. Right? You guys listen to the lyrics, you read it, you understand it, you have to look at that every time you sing or listen to a song. Right? Um, there are artists who produce uh, godly worship songs, but... Majority of the more popular worship songs that are topping the charts nowadays and are being sung in churches contain lyrics that are self-centered and have a faulty and flawed theology. Now, unfortunately, today's modern worshipers don't really care about much. Don't really care about the truth that much anymore. Why? <laughs> hey, it makes me feel good. Right? It makes me cry every time I. Is that what matters? Is, is how you feel? Who are, who are we worshiping here? <laughs> is it ourselves or God? Right? Because for a lot of modern worshipers, that's, that's what matters. I don't care about truth as long as I feel good. And I think that if that's our approach when it comes to worship, then we are putting ourselves in danger of worshiping the song and worshiping the good feelings that it brings instead of, a true heart for worshiping God is not driven by romanticized lyrics or catchy melodies. A true heart for worshiping God is the overflow of knowing God through the scriptures and then by His grace being able to have an intimate relationship with Him. That's why some of us earlier were like that. You feel it because you know who we're talking about. Right? And not just know, but you intimately have a relationship with the one whom we're talking about. If you're singing a song to your wife or your husband, right, that like you, you have a relationship with, obviously it's different. Like you know in the Philippines they have the harana, right? That's why they do that. Because songs and music have that kind of, of power, right? So if you're t- talking about God, you're singing to God, it should be the same thing. Um, it's not just about the, the emotions. It's not too hard for worship. It's that knowing God through Scripture. scriptures. Check out Romans 12, 1-2, you guys read it. You guys read it. Right? You know, we all know this verse. Right? But when we, when we think about really, what does it mean? Like, well, true worship should not be emotionally driven. It should be grace and mercy driven. What do I mean by that? Because God, in His mercy and grace, sent His only Son to sacrifice His life for our sake and for God's glory. And then by His grace, God gave us the faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, His greatest revelation of Himself, so that we may be reconciled back to Him. Now this is the truth that should be driving our worship, not our emotions. Now I'm not saying that there should be no emotional response at all when it comes to worship. That's not what I'm saying. But when it comes to our emotion, it is just that. It is a response. It shouldn't be the source. You get what I'm saying? Our source of worship should be God, and God alone is the only one worthy to be worshiped. Therefore, worship worship songs should not point us, or should point us to Him and not to ourselves or how we feel. Worship songs that contain shallow or even false theology and are emotionally driven, are like the God happy. They provide a false worship experience. They're like the magicians. They provide a false worship experience, mainly how? By tapping into our emotions, but not our hearts. Sad. A lot of people are driven by that when it comes to the worship of God. Even some some churches make Billions of dollars doing this. Right? And I think that God in his mercy has allowed a plague of scandals to be brought to light in some of these mega churches. That are cranking out some of these worship songs. Have you heard of these? Bethel. Elevation. The latest one is Hillsong. I love Hillsong songs. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But some of their songs you gotta be careful of. The lyrics. Okay? And again, and some people don't realize this until they see the scandals. So I think this is how God is kind of drawing our attention. Yo, look at the songs that you're singing. Doesn't matter if it, it, it doesn't matter if it's from Hillsong, that doesn't mean it's good. And not all Hillsong songs are bad. Let me let me just say that. Not all Bethel songs are bad, not all elevation songs are bad. But watch out. Watch out for the lyrics that we are singing. I think God is sending these plagues to some of these churches um, to help us, to remind us that, wait, wait a sec. It's not the church that's the problem. You know, It's not the church that makes a song, a worship song. You allow these plagues, right? Well, the first plague was what? Uh, well, the first scandal was Bethel. Well, what did Bethel do? They are teaching uh, their members to how to raise people from the dead. There's a class. There's a Sunday school class in Bethel on how to raise people from the dead. And their pastor keeps saying, that, no, no, Jesus is not God. That they're teaching that in, in, their, in their churches. Um, Elevation church. Uh, there was a scandal with the pastor uh, because of money. Pastor Stephen Furtick. You guys know this guy? Listen to him. And let's see if he can discern because he's a good speaker. Hillsong Church. The latest one was Pastor... I forget his name. (laughs) Huh? Brian Houston, but before that, it was the one in New York. The pastor in in Hillsong, New York that got caught in a scandal, adulterous scandal. Right? Now it's Brian Houston. Now there's a documentary on Hillsong Church that's playing on Discovery+. Plus. It says Hillsong Church, uh, Mega Church Exposed. Um, I think God is using these things to draw our attention to these churches so that when we look at their songs, we don't say, Oh, it's Hillsong, it's okay. Oh, it's Bethel, it's okay. Hillsong, the documentary for Hillsong. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, it aims to expose the many alleged wrongdoings of Hillsong's leadership, including exploiting volunteer workers, pastors, engaging in adultery, mishandled accusations of sexual misconduct by church staff. A lot of things going on in Hillsong, and what they're doing is like what the Catholic uh, are doing for the uh, Catholic Church is doing for the priests. Instead of disciplining their pastors and their worship leaders, that There was one woman that was raped in one of the churches in Hillsong, Australia. Instead of disciplining the leader that raped this woman, they covered up for him. Why? Because the head of HR in that church is the pastor's father. So what do they say? They they put it in Christian lingo. Oh, we have to show grace and forgiveness. Forgiveness. Yes, we do. What about discipline? About accountability? Right? What about the, the, the lady that got raped? <laughs> what happened to her? Um, but That's what's going on. And again, I believe that God allowed for these things to be brought into light to show us that worship songs or worship artists should not be worshipped. Or even these churches, because of the emotional highs that it brings. They're just tools. And I would say some are gifts that God has given to us, ultimately, for what? So that we could worship Him. That's why I'm saying don't throw out the baby with the bathwater when it comes to the worship debate. Some people are saying, oh, hill song, Bethel, don't sing any of their songs. They're all bad. No. The church is bad, but some of the songs are good. And some of the songs are biblical, and some of the songs are theologically accurate. So don't be like, oh, it's Hillsong, let's not sing. Okay, if that's the case, throw out the hymnals. Some of the people that wrote the hymns were slave owners, and were were also bad people. (laughs) Well, we all are. (laughs) Right? That's why we need God. And any song that elevates God to that place, sing it, but discern the the lyrics. Read it carefully. Don't just let your emotions drive your worship. Let's not let our emotions get the best of us. Instead, let us use the discernment coming from the Holy Spirit to help us worship God in spirit and in truth. Again, when the song's lyrics does not convey solid theology or biblical truth, don't sing it even though it makes you feel good. On the other hand, if a song is God-centered, has a solid biblical foundation, it doesn't matter who wrote it or which church is backing it up. Offer up those songs to God. But ultimately, the issue is us. Okay, don't care what songs are up here. If you don't have the heart of worship, you're not going to worship. <laughs> so a heart that is overflowing with love for God through His Son is the heart that can discern whether or not a worship song is legit or fake. People who chase after feeding their own emotions through these songs, regardless of the song's message, are the ones who are in danger of having a Pharaoh-like heart. And ultimately, having a heart of worship Is a legit and a true miracle coming from God. Those of us who who are driven to tears when we're singing even just the most simplest songs like Great is Thy Faithfulness, that's a miracle. Because that's not going to happen if your heart hasn't changed. No. You're just going to say, oh, okay, it's a hymn. I I don't want to sing this. I want a hill song. On Bethel, I want. That's a miracle coming from God. You cannot replicate that miracle (laughs) by feeding your emotions. These songs that do that, it's fake worship then. If it's a fake song, it's a fake worship. I heard one pastor say this if worship is like a fruit of our Faith in God, it shows. One pastor said that some some people take apples from the ground and staple it to the tree. Oh, look, I have fruit. (laughs) It's not organic. They staple it to the tree. What happens when that fruit starts to rot? It's going to fall off, right? And there's no fruit. You come out (laughs) as you are. Some of these songs, that's what it does. It helps us, or shows that, oh yeah, you have fruit, you can worship. Meanwhile, all you're doing is just responding to your emotions. It's not true worship. True worship is knowing God and knowing the lyrics, how it relates to God. And then an overflow of love for God produces true worship. Pharaoh was not able to recognize a real miracle from a false one. What happened to Pharaoh? Made him hard, his heart harder. Last. i got five more minutes. Last thing we can learn from this plague is that some people are willing to settle for less instead of surrendering to God. (laughs) Some people are willing to settle for less instead of surrendering to God. Check out Exodus 7, 23 and 24. What happened after the water was uh, turned into blood? Pharaoh turned and went into his house and he did not even take this to heart. Pharaoh's like, I don't care. (laughs) Look what happened. All the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. So instead of surrendering to God, repenting, what did they do? Okay, all the water, you read it, right? All the water, not just the Nile, even their ponds, it says, right? Even the pools of water were turned into blood. So what do these guys do? I'm going to get water from under the ground. <laughs> I'm not going to surrender to this God. I'm just going to dig myself a hole and extract water from under the ground. Will that water be clean? No, it's going to be muddy. Will it be blood? Maybe not. (laughs) Right? But it's still muddy water. It's not like clean water from the Nile. But some people, I'll settle for this. After God revealed himself to the Egyptians, he turned water into blood instead of humbling themselves. Egyptians found another way to get water. (laughs) Some of us, too. It all applies to everything I've said before. Worship songs, it applies. This this hymn is just not getting me going. Bethel. Hillsong. Elevation. Elevation. Pastors' messages. Let mm, me go to a different church, where the speaker is better. There are more more illustrations, more jokes. Mm-hmm. Bible talks about that, right? And there will come a day where people with itching ears. They're gonna hear what they want to hear. <laughs> they don't want to hear the truth, right? So when you're preaching the truth, less and less people come to your services. <laughs> This is that. I'm. You're not gonna give me water from the Nile. I'm gonna dig somewhere else. Right? How pathetic is that? God is right there, giving them chances, right? To repent. Nothing. They dug themselves new holes. That's pathetic. What about us? How many times has God exposed idolatry? In our hearts or sin in our hearts. But instead of repentance and surrender, we dig holes. And then settle for something less. Just so we don't surrender to God. Just so we can say, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? How many times have we done that? Has somebody ever rebuked you in church, corrected you? Instead of repenting, what do they do? I just, some of them don't fight back. No. Some of them take the high road, so to speak. And then what? Leave the church. Let me dig a hole somewhere else. Where I'm not known so that they can't rebuke me or correct me. Right? Listen. It's even those of you at home, I <laughs> can That's what happens. Right? Somebody rebuke you, somebody hit your pride, somebody, you know touch something sensitive in there, instead of just, "Yeah, uh, you know, I apologize, I'm sorry. No. Who are you that I should listen to your voice? ultimately, who is the Lord I should listen to His voice? Not going to do. It. No. Or if you're a church leadership, right? and somebody, one of your members, said something that, oh. instead of reconciling with that member, what do you do? Who are you that I should listen to your voice? Voice. No. And one of them leaves. Leave the ministry, leave the church. Leave. Is that how? It's, how are we ever going to get to what Ephesians says a mature man in unity if that's the attitude? Like, if I can't take any correction from anybody, how am I going to grow? Right? You know, have you heard that term uncoachable for athletes? or some athletes that are uncoachable. What, what's an athlete that's uncoachable? He thinks I'm good enough. <laughs> I don't need. What, I don't need all this. You telling me how to shoot my jump shot or telling me how to, you know, practice my basics and all that stuff. I don't need all that. I'm good enough. I, I don't need you. Again, this is trans, if I translate that to biblical language, that says, "Who are you, Lord?" I should listen to your voice. Listen, it is God's mercy to break us down. That's a mercy coming from God to break us down so that He can restore us back to the person that He wants us to be. You believe that? Do you? When you're doing a reno at your house, do you just go over whatever's there and just put new stuff? No, right? If you're changing the, the fo- f- floors, what do we do with the carpet? Let's say, I want to change carpets at church. What do we do with this? Yeah, take it out first. I know some, I know some houses that just keep putting floors on top of floors on top of floors. And then they're like, how come the ceiling is so low? Because you raised the floor <laughs> with, all the, with all the floors. Yeah, how many vinyl floors are underneath? Layers and layers. Some of us are like that, right? Instead of just saying, Lord, yeah, okay, break me down so that you would repent, let me go to a different church. Put another tile on there. No, not, no reno coming. And Then when that church turns into, you know, something that you didn't like, you move to a different church. You talk about, "Ah, this church is no good. Let me move to a different one. Meanwhile, you're the one who's infecting all these churches. It is God's mercy to break us down so that he can restore us to the person that he wants us to be. Don't harden your heart to his discipline. Don't be like Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Stop digging holes and settling for less. God is calling you through some of the rebuke and some of the correction. God's calling you back. Stop digging holes and settle for like muddy water. Why? There's a river of life here. But when you drink of it, you will never grow thirsty ever again. What do you have to do to just drink from that? Repent and believe. Don't be like the Egyptians and Pharaoh. Who saw God's awesome power and said, I don't care. <laughs> Amen? I know some of you are probably like, next week i 'm not going to be here. I will go to a different church <laughs> well hey okay, i'll give you a shovel. go dig some holes <laughs> we're going to take we 're going to continue this series again after a few couple of weeks um, and then we're going to take the next few plagues. What are the next fl- plagues flags what <laughs> are the next plagues frogs frogs <laughs> and <laughs> Mosquitoes, nuts. Okay. Langa, not langaw, Palaka and lamok. <laughs> okay? I hope to see you back here. Okay, if not, come see me for a shovel. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> The Lord be gracious. gracious.